Hi guys, my name is Miles, and I wanted to tell you about my true crime podcast, Forensic Miles. My co-host Sean and I investigate the cases in every episode of Forensic Files. You've seen the show, you know the crime, but is there more to the story? Let's find out. Check us out on Instagram at Forensic Miles, Miles with a Y, and listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. See you there. Mytrice Richardson was a beautiful 24-year-old woman who had just graduated from Cal State Fullerton with a bachelor's degree in psychology and a 4.0 GPA and had plans to become a child psychologist. She was also beginning to exhibit odd behavior and wasn't herself. On the evening of September 16, 2009, Mytrice was driving in Malibu, California which was 40 miles from her home in Los Angeles, when she made a spur-of-the-moment decision to stop at a restaurant for dinner, a decision which would have a lasting impact on Mytrice and her loved ones. After acting odd all throughout dinner and then attempting to leave the restaurant without paying, the police are called and Mytrice is arrested and taken into custody. When her mother calls the following morning with plans to come pick up Mytrice, She's distressed to learn that Mytrice has been released several hours prior in the dead of night. Her car had been impounded, and she had no phone, no money, no way of getting home, and was in an area she was completely unfamiliar with. Aside from a bizarre sighting later that morning, no trace of Mytrice Richardson was found for nearly a year, until on August 9, 2010. Her remains were found in a canyon. Police concluded she had been in a manic state when she entered the canyon and died from exposure, but the family continues to fight for answers. How could someone in a state such as Mytrice was that night have just been allowed to leave in an area she was unfamiliar with, with no reliable way of finding her way home? And how did she truly end up where she would? This is episode 16 of the Still Unknown podcast, The Death of Mytrice Richardson. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Still Unknown podcast, a podcast about unsolved murders, disappearances, and unexplained deaths. My name is Joe Schwartz and I am the host of this podcast. In this episode, I will be talking about the death of Mytrice Richardson. This is a case that has been picking up a lot of traction again lately with all that is going on in the news regarding the treatment of black Americans by police and a real call for police reform. And there is a big call for the investigation into the death of Mytrice Richardson to be reopened and thoroughly examined. There is a petition on change.org, which I myself have signed, and I will include the link in the show notes for you to go and sign it as well. I am also happy to be joined in this episode by my friend Danny from the Hear No Evil podcast. She is truly one of my favorites, and she has a strong passion for this case. So, without any further ado, let's dive into the story of Mytrice Richardson.
Okay, everyone, I am happy to be joined in this episode by my friend Danny from the Hear No Evil podcast. Welcome, Danny. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Joe. Joe Show. Show Joe. Uh, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so happy to, I'm honored to have you, especially considering we're recording this on your birthday. Yup. <laughs> I'm honored. I'm honored you want to spend a little time talking on my podcast with me on your birthday. I'm honored to be here and that um, you invited me. So thank you very much. I honestly um, couldn't think of a better way to spend my birthday than talking about true crime. And if that makes me weird, it's okay. <laughs> but honestly, I, I, I can't think of a better way to spend my birthday. <laughs> well, I, my birthday is not for another two months, but you and I are in the same boat. We're both murderinos. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was I was cracking myself up the other day because I are you a fan of um my favorite murder? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was cracking myself up the other day because I just kept re- repeating you're in a cult call your dad to myself like over and over again. I for some reason thought it was so funny. <laughs> what was the the reasoning behind it oh i don't even remember it was so long ago it was just something funny that karen said like what would you even do if you're in a cult and karen's response was you're in a cult call your dad (laughs) but it was so long ago i don't even remember but yeah they're just great i love them (laughs) yeah uh, I, I I love them. I love. I know you're a fellow LPOTEL. Oh my god! Have you? Did so I, I say, what? Did I say, did I say the right? LPOTEL. I'm a little dyslexic. I, I I don't know if I said the right initials. Last podcast on the left. Yeah, last podcast on the left. Uh, I got into them probably three years ago, and. Yeah, about three years ago now, and I just, like, binge listened to all of their episodes. I'm completely obsessed with them. Um, their, their series, like, their five-part series on the JFK assassination and um, just, like, all the conspiracy theories surrounding that was one of the best series, most interesting ever. So if any of you are super into that stuff, Last Podcast on the Left has some amazing episodes on some really crazy conspiracies. <clears throat> yeah, no, that, that's easy to find because those, that was the, around episode 400, they did mm-hmm. that series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I was going to go and, live, hopefully, you know, this sometime this year, that was the plan. But then, you know, the plague happened. So. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. And um, listening to the last podcast on the left makes me wish so I could just go, my wife! My wife! <laughs> I don't even know how to come up with that, but that's like one of my... Well, oh, so, yeah, so you gotta listen You gotta listen to their new one. Because um, they talk about um, old school, like the kind of like the origins of like mental health practices in the U.S., which is like yeah. right up my alley because I'm a psychology major. Um, but they were talking about... Um, lobotomies and stuff like that and it was like really really interesting so if you're if you're into that creepy cool history they got that for you too <laughs> yeah and um so again you host your I do, yeah. podcast <laughs> uh 
why don't you tell why don't you tell us a little bit about that what it is and like how you got the idea to do um it? well I've always been into, um, like, I grew up watching, like, uh, 2020, 48 Hours, Dateline, and stuff like that with my older sister. We were always really into that stuff. And then when it started becoming a phenomenon on Netflix with all the serial killer documentaries and things like that, I started getting into that. Um, And then I slowly discovered podcasts, and that's how I got into uh, Last Podcast, uh, true crime garage. Um, who else? Who else? True crime guys. And as I was listening to all these people, I was like, this sounds like so much fun. And it's something I've always been interested in. So I decided I was just going to go for it. Um, and I came up with the name because um, <laughs> monkeys have always been my favorite animals. And you know how like the hear no evil, see no evil um speak no evil monkeys, like emojis, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. Of them. Like, I literally have, like, a little statues, one monkey's covering its eyes, one monkey's covering its mouth, and the other's covering its ears. So I was looking at it one day, and I was like, here, no evil, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, and it just kind of... Yeah, I mean, here, because it's the... Right, exactly. <laughs> And I wanted it to be so, unique. Yeah, I wanted it to perfect. be unique, and I, I couldn't find any other podcast with that name. And so what I try to do with my podcast, especially now, um, honestly, when it when I first started it, I had plans to, you know, talk about true crime cases that many people have heard before with serial killers and things that you see on Dateline and stuff like that. Um, and I still want to do stuff like that and eventually branch into maybe, like, talking about um, conspiracy theories and other fun stuff. But, um, with everything that's been going on in the world, um, I've really switched focus to more contemporary true crime stuff because there's so much going on. 2020 has been crazy. Um, not just because of everything that's going on with the protests, but also, um, just in terms of cases being, you know, cases moving along that have been stuck for so long. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Alyssa Turney case, but, you know, her her amazing sister, Sarah Turney, who hosts the Voices for um, Justice podcast, she just announced that they might be reopening the case and looking into it and charging somebody. Um, so, I mean, it's just crazy all that's going on in the world. And I want to focus now more on more modern stuff instead of just telling the stories that have been told over and over again about Ted Bundy and John Wayne Gacy. Not that that stuff isn't still interesting because it is. I just think that right now I want to use my platform to talk about people that need to be remembered and stories that need to be remembered, more modern stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And the recent episode you did, which was a combination about uh, Breonna Taylor and yeah. George Floyd, was just, incre- just incredible. Uh, amount of amount of work, amount of work you put into that episode, like to actually look into the the uh, no knock uh-huh. warrant, and and j- j- it was Thank just uh, I thought you did. Thank you. And you want to and and. And I want to do more stuff like that on my podcast. Like, I don't want to just, like, talk about a story 
I want to also examine like, okay, well, what's going on in the world that affects this story? You know, she she died because of a no knock warrant. Okay, well, what is that? Let's look into that. Why is that a thing? You know, so these stories also offer up um, a lot of opportunity for reflection and thinking about why did this happen? Where did things go wrong? And what can we look at as a society and be like, hey, maybe this needs a little bit of, of tinkering with, <laughs> maybe a little bit of fixing. And I think we're going to see that a lot in the case we're going to talk about today, especially. Absolutely. And I know uh, people who listen to this intro know what this case is. They see the episode title. They're like, come on, get to it already. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a chatterer. I'm very chatty. <laughs> No, I, you're fantastic, Thanks. and I'm happy. Appreciate I'm happy that. <laughs> but uh, th this is this is a case that I wanted to. It, it's actually a lot of <clears throat> fellow true crime podcasters I interact with have oh, have touched yeah. on this case. Re yeah, recently so many. Themselves. Yeah, and so and I told you that uh, when. I wanted to get you on here. Like, this is the case I had picked out for us. And you were like, yeah, yeah. Cause I remember, yeah, I remember hearing and, about this case for the first time and it just blew my mind. I didn't, I didn't understand it. I, it was one of those things that I, I heard about it and I was like, how on earth did that happen? <laughs> like how, Right. How like how does that happen it doesn't make any sense like all you have to do is do your job and stuff like that doesn't happen <laughs> we'll get into it i don't want to get ahead of myself I'm, I'm known for doing that so i'm gonna i'm gonna put on i'm gonna put on my seatbelt today and i'm gonna let myself sit back <laughs> and not yeah well feel free, feel free to okay okay i wish a little buzzer so because I could I warn you that I'm about to open my mouth and interrupt you. <laughs> if I interrupt a lot, I apologize. It's just because I get excited. I I, I I promise I'm not trying to be like, um, I'm just not very good at holding myself back when I'm excited. <laughs> okay, well, that's mm -hmm. no problem with me. And uh, that's oh, why I love well, your thanks. podcast. I try my hardest. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> All right, so of course we are talking about the case of Matrice yeah. Richardson, and with all this going on in the world, again, this case has mm -hmm. picked up a lot of steam in oh, the yeah. past couple of weeks, which is good. There's mm -hmm. now a petition on. There's there's now the petition yes. on change.org to get the case reopened to get it looked at, which is wonderful. So we are, <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah, it. it it's it's going to be challenging, but it's a case that needs looked at. There's a lot of uh, <clears throat> there's just a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I was so. like I told you, I was like, yeah, I'm familiar with it, but I'll read back up on it to get a little bit more information. Um, and I read up on it again, and there was actually some stuff about it that I had completely forgotten. And when I was reading it, I was just kind of like, are you kidding me? Like, it's, it's scary, honestly. It's very scary that she just vanished into thin air and nobody can piece together what happened to her. But what's even scarier about that is the reason we can't piece it together is because the person who knows 
the person or people who know are not coming forward and they're keeping their secrets. So it's just kind of terrifying to think about. Yes. So I, um, I had a few like primary sources Mm -hmm. for this episode. There's, there's a documentary that's on Amazon prime. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to have to add that. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's like a very independently made documentary, but it's, uh, that's on there. It's called lost compassion. There's an episode of the ID. Yes. Which is a great show. Yes, it's season six, episode one. The episode is titled oh, Lost in the Dark. That's so sad. <laughs> and, yes. And, and there is an article that Mike Kessler wrote for Los Angeles okay. Magazine. And also an article by Cat Lee on the Alrighty, got you, got you. So uh, all the links will be in the show notes that as well as links to news articles yes other as well as the link to the petition on change and i would just like to say oh i'm so sorry go ahead Uh, I would just like to say for my own part, um, for as far as research goes, um, I watched a couple of YouTube videos. Um, There is a girl named Kendall Ray who makes really good true crime videos. And I watched her video on this case. Um, And then I also I have a couple of articles um, saved on my computer that I've been kind of skimming over. But the most comprehensive one I found was this one from the Los Angeles Daily News by... Susan Abram. So just also wanted to shout out that because um, I like to give credit where credit is due as far as sources go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, now that we have our bases covered, let's, uh, I'm going to dive right into it. So Matrice LaVon Richardson was born April 30th, Mm -hmm. 1985. The parents, Latisse and Michael Richardson. Latisse and Michael separated when Matrice was young, and she was raised primarily by Latisse and her new husband, Larry Sutton, in Covina, okay. California. <clears throat> Growing up, Matrice loved Aww. music and dance. And if you if if you watch the documentary mm-hmm. Lost Compassion, it opens it opens with an adorable video of her oh. as a little child. With her, I believe it's her kindergarten class. Okay. I'm guessing they're singing Whitney Houston. Oh my god! <laughs> so it's just, it, the documentary uh, opens on that. So you just immediately yeah. tug it. And are, so are they kind of trying to say <laughs> she was she was kind of a born a born star in a way? Loved being up on the stage. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Good for her. <laughs> she she also loved to compete in dance Ooh, competitions. Awesome. And while while attending South Hills High School in West Covina was on the competitive cheerleading oh squad. That is no joke. It, it makes me so yes. mad when people want to be like cheerleading I, isn't a sport because you know <laughs> I, I was I was friends with with girls on that I I wasn't a cheerleader because I have no athletic ability whatsoever but I was I was friends with 
with, with girls on the cheerleading squad in high school. And they told me all the time, like, yeah, no, it's a lot harder than people realize. You got to be really strong. You got to be able to do crazy flips. You got to be able to either keep your balance holding yourself up or holding someone else. I mean, it is not, it is no joke. It is a real athletic, you know, strenuous activity. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the best movie ever. <laughs> oh gosh, I need to watch that now. That's on the list. <laughs> yeah, so Matrice also had a very sparkling yeah. personality. She was very outgoing and had the ability to make everyone fall in love with her personality. After graduating South Hills, she attended Cal State Fullerton, where she graduated in 2008 with a bachelor's degree in psychology, as well as a 4.0. See, now I didn't know this about her. I didn't know that she had majored in psychology, and that is so cool. Like, because that's, that's my, that's my whole deal, too. My, my degree is in sociology and psychology. So when I read that about her, I was like, yes, girl. <laughs> yeah. So she was, she was actually planning to attend graduate school and wanted to be a child <sighs> psychologist. It's wonderful. And, and she was uh, interning for a psychologist named Dr. Okay. Rhonda okay. Hampton. Oh, um, it was also during this time that Mitrice was gradually coming to terms with her sexuality and came out. Which I'm sure was probably pretty difficult for her as it is for almost everybody who has to go through that experience. I know, I can't, I can't imagine. And I don't, don't hold me to this because I might be incorrect, but from what I understand, especially in, um, in the African-American community, being LGBTQ was not always as accepted as it is now, you know, and people are still kind of fighting for it to be more accepted in the African-American community. Um, so, I, so I think for her, especially given her family and her background, I think it was especially scary for her. And she was especially worried about being rejected. But from what I understand, that didn't happen. Her family was very supportive of her. Oh, definitely. And I I read like she, I believe it said in the Disappeared episode, she gradually like came out to each one of them. Oh, okay. One by one. I see. Over, but I, I believe, I don't have any <laughs> notes here, but I believe I, that was, that was okay. something I mentioned. So. So, at the time, she was dating another young woman named Tessa okay. Moon. And by the summer of 2009, they had been a couple for close to two years. Oh, wow. Years. So, it was pretty serious. Yeah. So, uh, I, I read something that they didn't live close okay. to each other, that they would have to drive to see mm-hmm. each other. But they had been in a... They, had been in a relationship for a couple of years. So that that means they were pretty dedicated to each other then. I mean, maintaining a long distance relationship for, you know, that period of a time is, is definitely no easy task. So they must've been pretty dedicated to each other. Yeah. And she was also working at a popular gay and lesbian nightclub in Long Beach named Club Ripples as well as competing in beauty pageants 
and would also be a regular guest model at the Playboy Mansion's Hot Are you kidding me? Party. I didn't know that about her. No. That is so f***ing cool. <laughs> yeah, and there would there would be celebrity hosts such as Tracy Bingham oh, who on Baywatch and Ari- Ariane Celeste, the famous U.S. Okay, yeah, I know who that is. <laughs> and yeah, and uh, some famous guests would show up. And I looked at the names mentioned mm-hmm. of celebrity guests that I could find. The only name I recognized was, I think I'm saying his name right, Joe Maganello. Matt. Joe Maganello. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best known for best known for True Blood, and he was. The oh yeah, I I don't know how to say his last name either, but I can like picture what he looks like in my head. <laughs> it, Joe. Joe Mangania. Enough about it. my my point is my trees my trees was absolutely Yeah, and you know what? She life. was absolutely gorgeous too. I'm looking at a picture of her and just like beautiful skin, beautiful hair, a like a me- you know, like a megawatt smile. She's got one of those. I mean, it really just like lights up her whole face. And here's the other thing, you know, and I'm sorry if I'm getting ahead of myself on this as well, but, you know, I don't, I hope nobody like tries to use this stuff against her when, you know, she goes missing and stuff because, because all of this has absolutely nothing to do with, with anything. Like, I think it's so, it's so crappy to judge women for, participating in stuff like this if they are doing it willingly and they're having a good time and they're consenting adults and they're comfortable in their in their in themselves and their sexuality and they're not harming anybody like there is literally no problem with it so and I don't know if it comes into play later if people are like oh well she used to be promiscuous and lived a risky lifestyle or whatever but she wasn't really she was completely she knew what she was doing she was in control of herself like it's not like she was going buck wild. <laughs> it it does come. I don't. It's not something I wrote down, but I remember reading it does come into a play with some people saying that uh, she was a lesbian yeah. dancer. But but she wasn't a stripper. Though. At, not at that a, it, it matters. A, even if she was, it wouldn't. You know, no. I'd still say the same thing. But she wasn't a stripper. She was like a go go dancer. <clears throat> Yeah, but the, like there are the people who mm-hmm, put those mm-hmm. together. So yeah. there were some. I did read there were some people who were like, "Well, like we don't care about her because right, of her lifestyle." Right. But for for the for her for her family and some police, and it shouldn't be absolutely. Yeah, it's it's just it's so crappy to try to to slut shame someone for choosing to live their lives in a way that is completely harmless to you and anybody else. Like they're just living their lives and having a good time. So yeah, that makes me upset that that comes up because, <laughs> because that has nothing to do with who she is as a person. Yeah. It sounds like she was a wonderful person that people really loved. Oh, so we come to Wednesday, September 16th, this is 2009. Craziness. <laughs> yeah yeah at, at the time 
At the time, she was living with her great-grandmother, Mildred, in the Watts neighborhood of Los <clears throat> Angeles. She spent, she spent a few hours that afternoon at the house talking with Mildred. And while they would usually have dinner together on Wednesdays, for an unknown reason, Matrice decided instead to drive 40 miles to Malibu and have dinner there. Hmm. Okay. Again, again, it's unknown why she elected yeah. to, to do so, but according to the article by com, it said that it was possible she was considering attending a private Christian university oh. there, which okay. was Pepperdine. And she may have wanted right. to visit it. But, but that also doesn't really explain why she would go to a restaurant necessarily, but... But I'll, I'll hold. I'll hold well, my opinion. Yeah, I'll, I'll see. Yeah, because I didn't know about the the university thing. So that's interesting. Okay, that does kind of explain why she would be in the area. Um, <laughs> so, well, her reason for stopping at the restaurant it was just a spur of the moment oh, decision. Okay. Like she was by her accounts that night when she's talking with police later on. Is that she was driving on, and she was drawn in by oh, the sign of the restaurant. It was, it was just, it was just a total surprise. Right, and she's like, too. "I'm hungry. That place looks, you know, good." <laughs> We've all been there, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, the restaurant we were talking about, is which Jock makes me think of, <laughs> it makes before. me think of the freaking Boy King from Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I want. I want to I want to say Jeffries, but I've heard it's Joffrey's, Joffrey's, yeah, which Joffrey's. is just <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Joffrey's is a four-star restaurant in Malibu, just Dang. below Point Doom. So it's fancy. Doom, Doomy. <laughs> I don't know if it's pronounced Doomy, but you hear it's below Point Doom. That makes it sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Really yeah, honest. it does. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it might be pronounced doom. We'll just call it doom. Doom. Like Dr. Doom, doom you know. We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's spelled huh. D-U-M-E. Okay, so it could go either way. <laughs> and my my Californian listens... listens right, I you can yell at us in the comments. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um... And I want to talk about the outfit she was wearing, which I <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> she had, she had on a Rastafarian mm-hmm. style hat, a black Bob Marley T-shirt with a white long sleeve yes, shirt on underneath. I'm all about it. Jeans, jeans with a pink alligator <laughs> pattern belt and Dan's shoes. <laughs> she was killing it. She was killing it. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing: is that. Everybody in and, 2000, not everybody, but everybody in California was probably wearing something very similar. So she was in with the fashion and in with the times. <laughs> yes. And she had black curls that were sticking Ooh. out from underneath her hat. She sounds like she's tons of fun. Like if I were to see her, I'd be like, I want to hang out with her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll yeah. It, like, oh, yeah. I, re- I, I know a little bit about them as well. So, yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah! I just love that. <laughs> I, I'm imagining it now, and it adds to the story. And yes, I love. <laughs> yes. So, 
Uh, but from the moment she arrived at Joffrey's, her behavior was immediately mm-hmm. bizarre. The restaurant had valet parking. When she pulled up, the valet told her that he was going to park another car and would mm-hmm. go back to get hers. When, when he returned, Matrice wasn't at her car, but instead she was in his car going through his CD. Wow, okay. That, yeah, how did she know? So, I mean, did she just pick a random car and it happens to be his, or did she know it was his car? I don't know. That's interesting. But yeah, not- I, I can't imagine she knew. I can't imagine she knew it was his car. It might yeah. have just been done at ran- or it might have been the Which would make sense if he's the valet guy, his car would be out there. So yeah. That would make sense. Yeah, so I yeah, I mean I haven't found anything about like why she picked that car in particular or if it could have just been the And she was going through his CDs, you said? And judging him, being yes. like, Oh my gosh, does he only listen to Eric Clapton? No, well, no. Like what <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, she didn't remark mm-hmm. anything about the CDs. He he he's finds her like that. He's he's like, uh, yeah. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Can I help you? Her response is, "It's subliminal." That's very strange. Okay. And and then she said something about wanting to avenge the death of Michael Jackson. <sighs> okay. Who had. Who had died earlier? He died earlier. Though. Okay, so, so I mean, not too far out of left field, but kind of a random thing to bring up while you're in another person's car going through their CDs. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, Maybe yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but all right, so of course about the valet. Yeah. Is like, okay, but he he t- he takes her keys and. Uh, shows her to the entrance to the restaurant. And yeah, that that hard. part still kind of gets me. Like, the fact that the valet even, like, let her in after that. Not saying that she's done anything wrong at that point, but if I were that valet, I would have raised the alarm. Not because I thought she was doing anything wrong, but just because I'd be like, I don't know, she's acting strangely and I'm worried about her, you know? So I don't understand why yeah. he didn't say anything well, I, at that point. Like, she... She's acting strangely. She shouldn't be allowed, not that she shouldn't be allowed to come in, but we should keep an eye on her because she's acting strangely. Yeah, I, I read I read some account that he kind of led her hmm. to the door. So he might have come in and like gave yeah. a signal like, okay. keep an eye okay. on her. Like, see, he might have done. I'm and And truthfully, she hasn't done anything like, illegal at this point i mean it was very strange to get into his car but she hasn't necessarily done anything wrong yet so i guess that's also why he was just like okay that was weird but she's still a paying customer and i need to do my job so that makes sense (laughs) yeah so so she goes inside and is seated Mm -hmm. by the hostess she she orders an ocean breeze cocktail in a coke which is expensive from what i understand Oh, I, I read like the steak alone was like sixty five dollars. <laughs> oh. So she's also seated near a group of seven at another <clears throat> table, and she hears the conversation they're having and just mm-hmm. decides to join them. And the group, the group, yeah. Her. And and from what I understand, like she had a very like engaging and fun loving personality. I mean, she was, you know, she. 
She liked to go to parties and she liked to have fun. She was really good at talking to people and making friends. So, I mean, maybe they really were just super pulled in by her friendly personality. And we're like, yeah, she seems nice. She can hang out with us for a while. I could totally see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. While she's at the table, she continues to say odd things. Like, when asked where she's from, she says she's from Mars. Aren't we all? I thought men were from Mars and women were from Venus. (laughs) it's okay we'll let that one fly (laughs) okay uh she uh said she rambles on about astrological signs and her mother is mother earth and the ocean was wow same (laughs) no i just i kind of like how uh, hippie sounding that is personally but yeah you're right if someone were to say that to me after having just met them at a restaurant, I think that was pretty weird too. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, a staff member came over to check with the group, uh, see if everything's okay. They said, "No, everything's fine." They were actually seemed to be. Yeah, that's what I was saying it. before. Yeah, I mean, even when she was saying weird stuff. They were yeah. like, "She's kind of fun. We kind of like her." <laughs> yeah. So eventually. The group pays their right. dinner bill and leaves. With what she ordered, my Teresa's bill is eighty nine dollars. Okay. And soon after, soon after the group leaves, she gets up to leave, but is stopped by the manager because yeah. she hasn't paid. Gotta pay. She first responds by, she first responds by saying that she thought the group that had just left oh. covered. That, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. The manager told her... No, yeah, because they don't know you, honey. <laughs> she then, yeah. yeah. Uh, she then uh, sort of sheepishly goes, oops. Like, I guess oh. I'm busted. Okay. She... However, she never mm-hmm. gets belligerent or yeah, hostile. I, it's not like she's like saying, that. like, screw you, I'm not going to pay. It's more of a, I can't pay because, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry about that. It's not like she was, you know, trying to get away from them and be like, oh, no, I'm refusing to pay. <laughs> yeah. So she says she has no yeah. money and no way of paying. The manager asks if there is anyone my treats could call to sell the bill for her. She says... And that's weird, Bill. right? Because why would she call her great grandmother, who's like what in her nineties at this point? As opposed, yeah, yeah she's like nine. Yeah, ninety ninety one. They call Mildred, and Mildred says that she'll try to pay with her credit card, but can uh, she do it over the try, phone? Imagine trying to talk a ninety-year-old woman through that. Like, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but, you know, you know how older people are with technology. Imagine that phone conversation and just tell <laughs> how infuriating that would be on both sides. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the manager, however, tells her, no, yeah, they don't let you do that because, yeah, right. because she would have to sign for it. Uh, again, Mildred is 90 years old. It's late at night. It's something like. And and they're not close to Mildred. She's all the way out in in Malibu now. She's not even close to where Mildred lives, is she? Yeah, Mildred's Mildred's is like back in Washington. Yeah, no. You can't expect a 
year-old woman to drive herself that far in the middle of the night. No, absolutely not. <clears throat> so, so the manager gives her an option like, well, we can fax <laughs> the receipt to you and you sign it and fax it back. And she's like, well, no, Yeah, who has a fax machine in their house? <laughs> Well, maybe well, some I mean, people. I'm not judging you if you do. Yeah. Actually, if you do have a fax machine in your house, you are a whole other level of adult that I will never, ever achieve. <laughs> so good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she doesn't have one, so yeah. she can't help. A few a few staff members step up and offer to... Really? That was nice of them. Wait, so yeah. why didn't the manager, yeah. why didn't the manager I'll, let I'll, them do that? The manager says because given the way she was behaving, hmm. he he like feared for her like her mental safety. Oh, because she was acting erratically so and he, not making any sense. Okay. Yes. So he so he instead elected to call the police and have oh. them. Oh, I understand. I understand. Because if someone else paid it, then she would have just taken off and he was worried that something would happen to her. Okay. Well, that was, so that was a good idea on his part. I, I agree with him for making that decision. I do. Right. And in the article by Mike Kessler in LA Mm -hmm. magazine on this case, it's mentioned that the man, the manager feels a tremendous amount of guilt over this. I don't think he should. I think I think he did yeah. what he thought was best it, in the moment. Yes, he said, he said at the time he felt, quote, it was almost like a blessing to my heart at that point. Like, okay, good. This is all going Ugh. the way that it should. Because he trusted the police to do the right so, thing. He trusted the police to help her because that's what the police are supposed to do. That's their job. Right. And Ugh. yeah. And. So a staff member then calls the police, which I'm sure I have. And can I just say, you know, the fact that like, because people, people try to turn this into a race thing pretty quickly. And I do agree that there are definitely racial components to this. However, once again, I actually, I, I commend the manager and the wait staff because the girl who made the 911 call She's very kind about it. You know, she's not like she's not saying like, oh, she's out of control. She doesn't say, oh, there's a black girl in here who's like causing an issue. You know, she's very unbiased and she's professional about it. So, yeah, but she she I have here. She does say one. She does use like one word in her car, which which in her call, which. Uh, kind of get could okay. Get what was that? Because now I'm now I'm maybe I'm not remembering it correctly. I apologize. <laughs> so she she in the call she says we have a guest here who is refusing. Well, that's to not true. Bill. Yeah, like may, saying that she was refusing makes it sound to like she yeah like, like she's resisting she, and being belligerent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And from all that I saw and read on this case, that wasn't the. No, no, it would have been more accurate to be like, she's acting strangely and she can't pay her bill. 
Yeah, that that that. I mean, it is mentioned that she's behaving strangely, but she used the word wordings like she's refusing okay. to pay. Right. All right. So never mind. Um, I, I retract what I said then. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's really that's really the one. It. I'm sure. I'm sure the woman who called didn't realize. Maybe didn't yeah. realize. <laughs> Young. It sounded like way. you know she was probably like a, a a waitress there in her twenties or something, and she didn't know how to handle the situation. Yeah, yeah. I don't bl- I don't blame her. I mean, it yeah. wasn't the right thing to say in the moment, but I don't think she did it malevolently. Yeah, and yeah, she wasn't refusing to pay; it's that she yeah. was unable to pay. What so? <clears throat> so what happened next? Uh, and. Yeah, and I'll get more into this later on. Mm-hmm. We'll give our final mm-hmm. thoughts on this case, but the police shouldn't have had to have been called for this situation. Yeah. And what 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 I mean by that is, uh, I'll get I'll get I'll get into it more like when we get to our mm-hmm. final thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Because I I, I but, would like to yeah expand more on that for sure. Yes. So, yeah, the woman on the call also mentioned that she's behaving strangely in that they believe she might be on drugs. Oh, yeah. Don't throw that in there if you don't know that. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, w- when police arrive, it's three deputies from the Lost Hill Station. Frank Brower, uh, Armando, I want to... I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saying okay. this guy's last name right, but Armando okay. Lurero. Now, they Kay. sound like two white guys and one possibly Hispanic guy, maybe? I don't know. Okay. Maybe. <clears throat> no. Based on her behavior, they give Maitreese a field sobriety, pe- sobriety test, which huh. she passes. Okay. Bro. Brower and McKay do a search of her car, although it was barely yeah. that. They just they just just did like a cursory glance. Okay. Like, like looked at what's what's on mm-hmm. the seat, what's mm-hmm. on the dashboard, back seat. They never opened the glove compartment. Because if they had mm-hmm. done that, they would have found Mitrice's cell phone. Are you kidding me? Wallet. Are you kidding? Oh no. My- Which her wallet? Her wallet had her. She could have paid. Side, which, which had over two. Oh my god! On it. So she had more than enough money. Oh my yeah. god! So why, why did she? Okay, so she's clearly not her. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm that, sorry. That, <laughs> that has to be yeah, a thing with her yeah. state. If she doesn't even remember that she has two thousand dollars in her car, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So instead, with the quote mm-hmm. unquote search they do, all they find is her mm-hmm. driver's license and a small amount of marijuana. Oh my! Okay, I I just rolled my eyes so hard yeah. they went into the back of my head. Oh my god! <laughs> so they, are you? Are you they don't so find that, the wallet, which would solve the issue at hand, but they managed to find a tiny 
little ounce of a drug that is barely illegal anymore. I mean, granted, this was in 2009, so it was more illegal back then. But (laughs) that's craziness. Absolute craziness. Yeah, so so at that point, they arrest my trees for drug possession and (laughs) refusing to pay. But that's not true. They could have paid the bill right there. Mm. Are you kidding me? If they, again, if they had looked in her apartment. <gasps> I'm already heated, but, and I know there's worse yet to come. <laughs> yeah. They, they then take her to the Lost Hill Station, which was 13 okay. miles away. And I, I honestly don't know that if Lost Hills was the closest apartment, but it's still further out into another area that my tree is very Right, right, okay. It's also mentioned in the LA Magazine article that Lost Hills is the same department where three years earlier, Mel Gibson had been brought in on his drunk driving arrest. And later, he was given a ride back to his car by deputies. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, let me go ahead and put on my surprise hat. (laughs) Yeah. People might argue that's the celebrity factor. I mean, it's, I I think his celebrity definitely has something to do with it, but I also think it has a lot to do with the fact that he's a white male. (laughs) Yeah, he's a somewhat. I mean, his career isn't what it was, but he's oh, a powerful yeah, yeah. white man. Well, and you know, like, most likely, like, oh. if, if if he's brought into a police station, most most cops are, you know, are, are older, not older men, but, you know, men. If, they're, if they see Mel Gibson, they're not going to be like, oh, yeah, he's problematic. They're going to be like, oh, fuck, yeah, it's William Wallace. Like, they're going to be, like, super excited. Yeah, really. Yeah. Riz. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I I think that might be the arrest where he called the Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, uh, wow, what a character! Uh, what a character! <laughs> uh, yeah. So obviously, I, I think that's very much worth mentioning. My trees <laughs> would not be granted that no. same opportunity. In fact, her car was in. I'm sorry, there's a lawnmower going right outside my window. Yeah, I can. I heard them, and I was like, wow, who's being rude right now, mowing their lawn while we're trying to record? (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) So, so, yeah, again, my trees would not be granted that opportunity. In fact, her car was impounded with her cell phone and wallet still in the glove compartment. While it's noted by police that she was behaving oddly, she is never giving a mental evaluation. And and you might be about to mention this, so I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead again, but do police ever say that she's being uncooperative or resistant or belligerent or anything like that? Or is she still being... No. Yeah, okay, okay. So... I'll... I'll get into like the contradictions between like the police report and like the police officer yeah. account at the time. So like there are some contradictions okay. which I'll get into, but I never saw it. I never saw anything that she was 
being hostile mm-hmm. or belligerent or anything like right. that. Right, and you, you got to imagine she wouldn't oh. be because she's reported to have always been an extremely nice person. So I would I wouldn't imagine that she oh. would be belligerent with them. <clears throat> oh. So uh, Matrice's mother, Latisse, had gotten word that her daughter was arrested by the Los Hills police and called the station. She asked if they were going to release Matrice that night or hold yes. her until morning. And mentioned that Matrice didn't know the area yeah. at all and to please let her know if they mm-hmm. were going to release her. By, And oh, God, in her yeah. call, she <laughs> said, it's quoted... I would hate to wake up to a morning report girl lost somewhere. Yeah, can you believe that? When I heard that in the call, I was like, oh my God. And she says it, she says it kind of like laughingly because who wouldn't? Because you're, you you say it because it's a concern. Like you really truly are concerned, but at the same time, you don't think something as awful as that is going to happen. Yeah, and it's a, it's like uncomfortable nervous, nervous laughter because yeah. she's, <laughs> she's obviously right. worried for for my trees. Like, get, she doesn't know the area and right, also her right. behavior. And I just listened to this phone call, so, and Latisse is so patient, and you know she's very um, calm and kind with the officers. She's you know she's just like I'm her mother. I'm concerned. Like, please hold her there so she will be safe. I just want my daughter to be safe. I mean, it is clearly a mother who just wants her child to be okay. You know? Right. And so the deputy on the phone assures her that Matrice will be safe at the station. However, at 1228 a.m., Matrice is released with just her driver's license. No. Is this no cell phone? Is this standard? No money. I don't I don't know if this is standard or not. Like if it but like it just doesn't seem it seems highly negligent to do this. You know what I mean? It does. I'll get in I'll get into how the the police in the police who were there justify that yeah who okay her. I'll get yeah i'm curious that, to hear but... what they have to say because uh, that just does not make any sense to me like i understand but yeah. it, 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 they know that she doesn't have any means to go anywhere so what's the point of releasing her she can't go anywhere and she's clearly not in her right mind yeah i i read i read an account that she I saw one place. I be, I believe it might have been in the okay. disappeared episode. But there is one possibility that she said she had friends coming to pick her up. <sighs> but yeah, because she didn't have any friends in that area. I thought. Okay. Yeah. And the only they the police said the only phone records. Showed that uh, that my trees my trees attempted to make any calls was to Mildred. Why does she keep calling Mildred? Her not her mom. But, it just doesn't make any sense. But 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 Mildred said she never got a call. <gasps> okay, back. so that's weird. 
So, so if it's if it's real, like my treats might have been pretending to call Mildred and had just been speaking oh to a dialogue. That's uh... I, I it's just it's just another piece in this story that like I don't know. Right. Yeah, it. because yeah, she is acting erratically, but but why would she do that? You know, why would she not try to get herself help? Or why would she lie about having friends coming to get her when she didn't? I, like, I just don't understand. But, uh. yeah, it, I, I, yeah. So, the closest open businesses are a mile away, <laughs> out of view from the station, with nothing in between except empty sidewalks and commercial buildings. Kind of weird for a for a police station to be so isolated. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, and. Not only does Matrice again not know the area at all, but they say at night it's pretty much Jesus pitch Christ. Black so they just released her into into the nothingness. Yeah. yeah, you can't you you can't even see where oh you're going. Okay. And and they just send her off after assuring her mother that she would be safe at the station until her mother could come pick her up. Uh, this makes me so angry. <laughs> Now, this is straight from Mike okay. Kessler's article. If a law enforcement officer determines that an arrestee is mentally unstable, he's allowed to detain the person as a possible 5150, the official code for an individual who poses a danger to oneself right. or others. In such, a, in such a scenario, the officer will either put the arrestee on a watch commander hold for greater scrutiny or if necessary send him or her to a facility for a a 72 hour psychological Mm -hmm. evaluation both instances call for extra time and paperwork or even a trip to the hospital the arresting deputy Lurero didn't mention any unusual behavior or odd statements in the arrest report Mitrice was simply charged with defrauding an innkeeper in possession of marijuana. Since her record was clean, keeping her locked up could have been a violation of policy. Latisse called the station again at 5.30 in the morning on Thursday, September 17th. And she was shocked to hear that Mitrice had been released five hours earlier. I mean, especially, I mean, they they lied to her. They Don't don't yeah. tell her that you're going to keep her if you're not going to keep her. That's really really messed up. Yeah. She called the station back and talked to Deputy Kenneth okay. Baumgartner and asked how long it could be until she could file a missing persons report. Would it be twenty four or forty eight hours? Baumgartner told her it depended on the circumstances and. Latisse explained the situation to him, how Mitrice was unfamiliar mm-hmm. with the area, and she believed her to be in a depressive state. Mm-hmm. And Deputy Baumgartner told her to give give them a couple hours to see if she wasn't asleep in the lobby or anything. Yeah, okay. For mm, all right, so <laughs> I'm so and, infuriated that I can't even come up with a, and, like a response to how stupid that is. <laughs> How long is it going to take you to search the lobby? How big is your lobby? <laughs> it is 
And and if Latisse herself hadn't heard anything in a couple of hours to call back and maybe they could do something. Maybe. Wow, you're so helpful. (laughs) Isn't this like your job to find missing people? (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. Uh, uh, at 6.30 mm-hmm. that morning, the Lost Hills police received a call from a resident in Montanito, mm-hmm. which is five and a mm-hmm. half miles away. Okay. The resident, the resident is Bill Smith, who was a former reporter with KTLA and is now mm-hmm. retired. He said that morning he looked out the window into his backyard and saw a slim black woman who fit Mitrice's description. It was determined later that it was, in fact, Mitrice Richardson. Okay. Smith, so Smith opened his window to ask what she was doing there Mm -hmm. and if she was okay. And she, she responds that she's just resting. Okay. When, so Bill goes to another window to get a better look at her. And by that point, she's gone. In that quick of a... So what, yeah, in like she, 10 seconds? Maybe, like, she, she probably took off yeah. right oh then. Oh, my gosh. Well, and, okay, so this place so, is about five miles from the police station, so it's definitely... It's, yeah, it... It's five and a half So it's possible away. that she could have walked there, but how... Uh, but... I'll get I'll get into the it, it is highly, highly unlikely that Oh okay. You know more than I do, so I don't trust you on that. <laughs> so but a cruiser came to the house and looked around hmm. but found no one. How well did they search? Because exactly they're known to they not looked. be very good searchers. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be another six and a half hours before a bolo was issued. Yeah. Be on the lookout. Okay. Okay. So it took it took two days for the first official search to begin, but instead of starting at the station to determine how my trees got to Montenegro in the middle yeah. of the night, they began the search at Bill Smith's house, which is where she was last seen. Okay. They they found tracks from her shoes and determined that she had run from the area, but the tracks were lost Ugh, within 100 God, feet. That's so frustrating. But, yeah, the thing about her, it being very unlikely that she mm-hmm. just walked, it's the spot where Bill Smith's house is, it's not really a place where you can just stumble upon. Okay. Because it's very and secluded? Again, like, get, It's kind of the path she took, she would have taken to get there is kind of, is almost like a hiking. Oh, okay. Terrain. Yeah, okay. But, but the fact that they said it's pitch black outside, like, she would, she would, she would have walked five and a half miles in the pitch dark and just stumble upon the Yeah, okay. it's very, very that does, unlikely. Yeah, because I mean, it. So if it if it's kind of like off a hiking trail, like you said, I'm assuming it's a little more um, rural, maybe not quite as populated. 
So. No, there's like, and there's a lot of, there's like horses okay. in the area. Okay. So yeah, you're right. So. Yeah, you're right. It makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, her track. <laughs> that's where they lost her tracks at is like, and with other foot tracks and like horses. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, okay. I didn't know that about about yeah. the area that she was in. So that's why I assumed maybe it would be easy for her to walk there. But yeah, it wouldn't make any sense for her to be able to navigate a super rural area in the middle of the night in the pitch black like that and end up right in somebody's front yard like that. Yes, but like especially since she Oh yeah, absolutely. Completely aware of where she is. So Yeah. <laughs> So since since Mitrice was an LA resident, the investigation was turned over to the LAPD's missing okay. persons unit. Three days after that, the case was reassigned again to the LAPD's robbery homicide huh. division. Because they explained this saying that the office that office had better resources and they assured everyone that it wasn't a homicide investigation. It's okay. Well, all right. <laughs> yeah. And there obviously started to be issues brewing between the family and the Los Hills yeah, police. Yeah, I can department. imagine so, considering, you know, they started yeah. their relationship off with them lying to their mother, to the mother straight up. Yeah, so I'd be yeah. upset too. <laughs> and the family obviously wondered, like, how could they allow my trees to leave under the yeah. circumstances yeah. that they did yet the police department maintained that they did everything right and had no justifiable reason to hold her. This uh, is... Oh, go ahead. Okay. And here's a three days after three days after she disappeared, Los Hills stations, Lieutenant Scott Chu sent an email to his supervisor, Captain Thomas Martin concerning the rel- concerning the arrest mm-hmm. and release of my trees in the email Chu says the arresting deputy Lurero booked my trees because he wanted to make sure she okay. was all right she was a little ditzy mm-hmm. at joffrey's and the deputy checked her for intoxication right. she was she wasn't drunk but Lurero felt she was acting unusual and was easy uneasy about right. letting her go in the in the end, Lurero brought her because of his instincts. Mm. The fact that she disappeared validated his instincts. Yeah, dude. Okay, I get that. But like, where were you? Oh. Why didn't you stop her from leaving the station, then, dude? <laughs> it, well, he ends the email justifying that decision, saying, "This is quoted in the straight from okay. the email again." At the station, it became obvious she was well. It, ele- <laughs> excuse me. It be it became obvious she was well educated and intelligent, so there was nothing to justify keeping her overnight. Okay, <laughs> just because somebody is educated mm-hmm. and intelligent, which she was, but that doesn't mean she might not be in the throes of something she can't control or needs help with. You know. <laughs> yeah. And there is video that later gets that Mitrice's family is later able to Mm -hmm. view that is heavily edited, but 
uh, they show this on Disappear. They show they don't show the actual video, but they do like yeah, a recreation. Yeah. And the video is the actress playing my yeah. piece in a cell, kind of walking back and forth, mm-hmm. kind of rocking, looking yeah. distressed. And so there are some things that aren't there's a absolutely lot and can and again you know um i just want to say this now unless i forget it later it's interesting because it's like you know a lot of people get upset at police for unjustly holding people or unjustly arresting people and this is one of those rare cases where it's the opposite and it's like no i think you should have done more to find a way to hold her especially after you got the call from her mother where she was very concerned and asked you to hold her you know and I understand that it would be a lot more work and maybe more paperwork and things like that but this is just one of those but also also could there could they maybe use the excuse of miscommunication it's yeah well what do you mean by that the um what i mean by that is like the officer who latisse Mm -hmm. talked to didn't communicate it with the officers that were holding has anybody alleged that I haven't seen anything like that, but it's that is very like that. that's it's possible. And I mean, it was, so my only thing with that is, if that were the case, I feel like the other officers would have come forward to like shift blame and and point that out already. You know, like tried to make the other person the scapegoat. But at the same time, yeah, it is possible that that just didn't get communicated. Um, but and if that is the case, then it's like, what's your excuse, dude? It doesn't sound like the police station was all that busy that night. Like you could have, yeah, it wouldn't have taken you much effort. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't. Rest yeah, see, and again, it's like it's the other thing. You know, I already know that people who know me really well are probably going to think like, Danny, I thought you didn't want police to hold people unjustly. I thought you were against that, and I'm telling you, it's not about that. Well, it's a, it's about doing your, it's about doing your duty to help somebody who is in a perilous situation, holding them for their own safety. You are allowed to do that as a police officer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So um, in the episode, it disappeared. There's a clip from a press conference being held outside of the Lost Hill station by a civil rights leader, along with yeah. my Teresa's family, where and he states, if Mitrice's last name was Spears mm-hmm. or Lohan, there's no way they would have That's so true. Like that. That's so true. Because those officers would have been like, heck yeah, I'll take Lindsay Lohan to the freaking hospital. Because then I'll, I'll be the cop that took Lindsay Lohan to the hospital. <laughs> like, yeah, they'd be all over that. Yeah. Oh. Oh, and uh, over the next several months... There were supposed sightings of Mitrice in Las Vegas. Yeah. So, one sighting was from her father, Michael Richards. That's crazy. He 
He claims he saw a woman he believed was his daughter out on the street. Oh, oh, that must have been horrible for him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, in in the disappeared episode, they say prostituting uh, herself. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But, I'm just saying that, like, for, for a dad to see no, that, no, you but know, like the, probably, probably rough. Yeah, but I'm trying... I'm saying that I'm trying. I was trying to. No, no, no! You did. You did. We 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 are politically correct (laughs) over here. (laughs) So So, he. So Michael tried to call to the woman, but she kept walking before disappearing. Yeah, I don't think it was her. Yeah. So the next sighting was from an old high school classmate. That's so weird. (laughs) He believes he's. He believes he saw her in a casino. And and where was this at? Was this also in Las Vegas? Yeah, in Las Vegas. So he he called to her. The woman took Mm. off in a hurry. Okay. And so that story broke and there were allegedly like up to 70. Are you kidding? 70? That's pretty crazy. But but I mean, there's there's been oh, yeah. many other yeah. cases where, like, there's claims to be many sightings of the person, and it turns out yeah. that's not the yeah. case. Well, and yeah, and and you're talking so, you're talking about people who know her, especially you know someone like her father. He's and, he's grieving. Yeah, he, her father. Her exactly. Exactly. They want it to be her. So I I completely understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But her mother, Latisse, however, never believed there was ever any truth to any of the sightings. She she always felt it in her heart that uh, Matrice was no longer alive. That's so sad. So sadly, she would soon be proven right. It hurt. Oh, on August 9th, mm-hmm. 2010, mm-hmm. some forest rangers heading in the dark canyon stumbled upon Mitrice's oh, remains. God. They were they were less than eight miles from the Lost Hills station mm-hmm. and within two miles of the location where she Are was you, last seen. So how? I'll, what? How, <laughs> How did it take so long to find her oh. then? How did searchers not cover that area before? That's crazy. I don't know. <sighs> and it was noted that in the initial search, they didn't venture into Dark Canyon. <sighs> time. Well, maybe there was a reason for it, but I don't know what well, that reason might be. And yeah, the the rangers who found her remains, like, again, just stumbled oh, upon wow. them. Like, they were there for, they were there for something else, and they happened That's to That's not, that, that is, like, the last thing I ever want to happen to me. I go running and hiking a lot, and, like, I, ugh, I cannot think of anything worse than just going out for a stroll and coming across something as horrific as that. I mean... Ugh. Well, I've been I've been doing a lot more like walking yeah. trails lately, and that is, that yeah, is my yeah, thought every yep, time. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Like I, just, I, I, I watched, I watched too many uh-huh. of these shows and listened me to too, too many of these podcasts. To... The other day, that yeah. The other day, mind. actually, I was out. Um, I was out on a run, and it was I go, I go running. You know, later in the evening when it's cooler, because if you go in the heat of the day, it literally feels like you're gonna burst into flames. Um, so it, it, it was a little later, <laughs> a little later in the day. My neighborhood is. It's not, it's pretty well populated, but I was, um, in between like some houses where there's a lot of trees. It was a wooded area, if you will. And as we, as we know, because we're murderinos, whenever, you know, a body's discovered, it's usually in a uh, quote unquote wooded area. So I was (laughs) running alongside of it and there was a trash bag in the wooded area. And like, it was small. It was really, really small. Like there, there's no way you know, it could have had anything in it, but like, I just remember looking at it and thinking to myself, like, oh no, and I just kept running, (laughs) but I went back, I like, I went the next day, and there was like more trash there, so I don't know, I was thinking maybe, maybe the people put their stuff there for someone to pick up, I don't know, plus, I mean, you know, normally, if that's what's going on, you'll be able to tell, because it's not going to smell good. (laughs) (laughs) I've never smelled a dead. I would. I don't want to. That once, once you, once you, once you smell it. Yeah, like I don't know if you listened to my um my Kaylee Anthony episodes, but yep, it's it's apparently a pretty pretty um it's nothing is like it. You can't confuse it with anything else. (laughs) Yeah, you can't confuse it with yeah. Try again, Casey. Try again. No, I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna jump up on that soapbox. I'm putting my seatbelt on and holding myself back. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Again, we're talking yes, and Maitreese is Davidson. a good person who <laughs> deserves to be talked about. So let's talk about her. <laughs> yes. So when her remains mm-hmm. were found, she was discovered to have been. <gasps> That's not child. good. That's really not good. I didn't know that. That's not All good. The- <laughs> Although they were unable to determine... Well, yeah, because I'm sure she was mostly bones at this point. So there's no way they'd be able to tell. Yeah, she was. Yeah, so they couldn't figure that out. They also... She was also so decomposed, they couldn't even figure out... Oh, no. That's just like the Kaylee Anthony case, too. That's horrible. Yeah, which... Which, to this day, is still listed as undetermined. (laughs) Police... The police, however, pre- they pretty much closed the case and haven't been investigating. Their theory is that Maitreese was suffering from a manic episode. She she walked into the canyon, took off her clothes, and died from anaphylactic shock after being exposed to poison oak. D- okay. <laughs> so. That That's their... That I have several issues with that. <laughs> I have several issues with that theory. <laughs> well, I will say it is, I guess. I mean, I suppose, but... but my number one issue with it is okay, so you're admitting. Well, actually, here's my question the people who, the police department or the, the, the law enforcement people who determined this, was it the Lost Hills? 
PD? Was it the same people who arrested her that night or was it a separate department? Oh God, um, I believe it might be. Okay, see, then they have, a, they, have, um, they have a reason, they have a motive to say that. But at the same time, it's like, okay, so then you're admitting that you didn't do your job because you're saying she was experiencing a manic episode so then why didn't you do your due diligence when she was in the safety of your station and keep her there? Exactly. Like, it's exactly. another contradiction. Yeah. If, someone, if someone is in the middle, like, like, they are not going to be the, able to cohesively, coherently express themselves. It doesn't matter how well-educated or intelligent you are. If you are being taken over by a manic episode, you're not, it's going to be pretty, pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, the, that Lieutenant, like whose email I read from earlier, like he had already contradicted himself within uh, that one surprised. email. <laughs> and so <clears throat> that's where we, that's where that's we are. With everything? It's a, I mean, there's there's a recent petition on change.org for the case to be reopened. Yes, which I signed and I encourage everybody um, else to sign as well. Yes, I again, I will have a yeah. link for that yeah. in the show notes. Um, my Teresa's parents each filed separate lawsuits against the L.A. County Sheriff's Department on the grounds that their daughter should not have been released given her mental state. And her not having anything or yeah, anywhere to go. Absolutely. In in twenty eleven, each parent received four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So they're admitting they did something wrong. I mean, they wouldn't have given them any money if they yeah, okay. Yeah. And I mean that is a high amount too. Oh I don't know the I don't I don't know the standard for me neither, but four hundred four hundred almost yeah. And I mean, I am glad they they did that. Yeah, to to each parent. Oh gosh, so about a million in total. Total, total nine hundred thousand total. Yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, family also asked uh, the California Attorney General's office to review the sheriff's office handling of the case mm-hmm. in 2015. Then Attorney General <gasps> Kamala Harris. I love Kamala Harris. <laughs> she's awesome. I love her. She, she, she you know she's a front runner. Oh my god. Pick. That would make a from what from what from what I'm reading and what I'm hearing. Oh my god. She's Biden she's believed to be the front runner for Biden to pick. That would make up VP. for me having to vote for Joe Biden for president. <laughs> okay, I I don't dislike Joe Biden, but it, you know, it's just another one of those things where it's like, really? Ugh, okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which, by the way, don't sign <laughs> up for text message alerts from him because he texts me all the goddamn time. <laughs> I woke up with like seven text messages from Joe Biden. Hey, Danny, America needs you. And I'm like, it's 7 a.m., Joe. <laughs> Can America need me in like an hour? <laughs> hey, he's, a, he's 77. Right? 
<laughs> I was just like, Joe, it's too early. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, she she did take a look at the case. She, however, found no ground. That's for stupid, charges. but okay. <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh. sorry, however, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, no, it's no, just no, ridiculous no. because, I mean, I feel like any person looking at this would be like, okay, even if you, you know, didn't do it with evil intentions, even if you were just being stupid and dismissive and just let her go, that's still negligence. That's still not okay. That still has to be addressed. <laughs> yeah, but she could she could have also been looking at it like, well... You did reach a settlement oh, with the parents. True. Yeah. So maybe That's a good point. I don't know, maybe she could have looked yeah. at it that way. But however in however in twenty sixteen they reversed their original judgment and began a criminal oh. investigation. Okay. But in the end there was insufficient evidence to pursue charges. That's really, 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 really frustrating. Exactly. And so where we're at with this case now is the petition on change.org and a real Mm -hmm. call for this case. to In the light of everything that's been going on. Yeah. Because, yes. and I I don't like getting too much into theories when it comes to cases, because I don't like to operate with speculation. I'm very much invested in facts and the truth. And I think, I think people sometimes do more harm than good when they, um, you know, they kind of like mess around with theories and things like that. But from what I understand, there are a lot of theories, and now there's no there's no proof of this, and people need to be aware of that, but there are a lot of theories that she could have met foul play from somebody at that police station. And, and I think that's why people have become so invested in this recently, is because they're like, well, could this be a case of that? But it is also important for people to remember that there is no solid proof or evidence as of right now that that is what happened. Yeah, I think that is worst case scenario. Is that she met with foul play? From yeah, I think officers. it is too. And and the thing that's the thing that's fucked up about this is best case scenario is a high level of incompetence mm-hmm. and negligence yes. from the yes. police department. That's the yeah. best case scenario <clears throat> in this case. So, but that that's where we're at. Let me and, ask you this. I don't know if you, if you were about to mention this and I apologize if once again, I'm getting ahead, but I read oh, no, something somewhere that and not just something somewhere i i noticed it because i did i'm not gonna lie i did read the wikipedia article on this case um and then i i like learned some things from that and then i looked up articles about like what i read on there so i read on the wikipedia page and in a few articles about this case 
that um, neighbors of the guy who saw her in the front yard, what was his name again? Something Smith? Bill, Bill Smith. Bill Smith. He was a former, he was a former reporter with KPLA. Yes, so apparently um, some of Bill Smith's neighbors reported having heard screams the night that um, the night that Matrice was supposedly in that area. Well, not supposedly she was in that area because she was in Bill Smith's front yard. So, you know, they, they reported hearing screams in, in the middle of the night. And so, I mean, that's just very interesting because like what, what happened to her out there? Who, who was out there with her? But if it was in the middle, he spotted her at 6.30. So if it was in the middle of the night, it would have been before. Wait a second. Hang on. Wait on. Let me look at this. Let me look at this. Okay. No, 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 no. I am so sorry. It was not the night that she disappeared or like the night that she appeared in his yard. It was actually a few nights after that. It was a few nights after. My apologies. It was a few nights after that. um, And some neighbors say they heard screams. But... You know, it's just another one of those things. I, I did. I did read that, too. So it, it could. Could it wasn't far from where she was found in. Yeah, exactly. So maybe I don't know. But but here's the other thing, because and you you were the one you were the one who said this yourself. So. How did she even get to the area where she was eventually spotted again and then found, a, you know, a year later? How did she get there from the Lost Hills Police Department? Yeah, well, my my thing is like she could. My thing is, how did she get to... Bill yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yard? That's what I'm saying. Like, how did she get there from the police station? Yeah, like, I could... I could see, like... I don't think it's too much of a stretch for her that she got from his backyard to... Uh, no, that's not a stretch at all. That's that's walkable. But, but yeah. But, yeah, but... but but from the police station to his backyard in the middle of the night when it's pitch black outside mm-hmm. again. But and in the document in the Lost Compassion documentary, there's a moment where they like do a tracking shot huh. in the dark. Yeah. Like from up above. They do a tracking shot of the distance from the police station. It's this long, long tracking oh, shit. shot. Like to from the police station to Montenegro okay. in the night, and there's like, there, how how was she right. been able to? And do it's that? pitch black. She doesn't even yeah. have a cell phone for light. She literally has nothing. <laughs> no, and the, yeah, yeah, there's no street lights, or there's like. As I mentioned, like the commercial buildings are shut down at night. There's no light coming from anything. For so, so then that that would lead me to logically conclude that she could not have gotten there on her own. 
or she needed some sort of assistance to get there. Either somebody drove her there or something. So, all right, so all right, so let's go with the theory yeah. that someone drove her there. Did they just drop her off or was she trying to hide from someone? Or from whoever drove or her there. Was she driven there unwillingly? And but mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. Like, did she manage to? Was she driven there unwillingly? Managed to escape and was like re- decided to like needed to rest in the guy's backyard before yeah. she took off running. And then somehow whoever she was running from caught up with her. Or, or did someone take her there? And she said, "Like, just drop me off here." And Which like, okay. I mean, given her behavior from from the night. I could see, I could see maybe somebody stopping and giving her a ride and her just giving them crazy directions because she's not in the right state of mind and they just somehow end up out there. And, but then why hasn't that person come forward and been like, yeah, she was in my car. You know, if you have nothing to hide, then why haven't you said anything? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. This is honestly terrifying because it's like none of it none of it makes sense and you can't even really come up with a cohesive theory as to how it could have happened. It's literally one of the craziest cases I have ever heard because I cannot rationalize like a a way that it happened. No, I I don't think I can I I don't know if I can rationalize anything myself. Yeah, it's like one of those things I can't. If people were to be like, "What's your theory?" I can't. I can't tell you. <laughs> I'm stumped. I can't come up with anything. I'll be like, "Well, let me." I'll be. I'll be like, well, <laughs> and they would tell yeah. me their theory, and they would tell me their theory. I'm like, "Well, I yeah. guess that's another one." And you know, and and again, I'm getting into conjecture, and I don't like to do that. But I think that's why some people believe that the police could have potentially be involved in some sort of cover up because at that point, that's almost the most likely thing, you know, because it's like not the most likely thing. I don't want to say that, but it's like, okay, well, it was it was covered up in such a way or it's so confusing to put together, you know, maybe that's what happened and they're covering it up somehow. But I, I don't know. I'm, again, there's no proof of that. I just think that's why people like to lean towards it because. Or they could, there could be the cover up of them just deciding to let her leave. Oh, I think they're because definitely they covering that, that part up. That's definitely a thing. <laughs> Even if they weren't involved in her death, they because... still are covering that part up for sure. Because, it, again, they were just contra. They they contradict so many themselves times. every time. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like it's one so. of those things. It's like if you make a mistake, you know, just own up to it. I understand that people, even police officers, are human and they make mistakes. You know, just don't don't lie about it. Own up to it and be like, yeah, we fucked up. We're sorry. I'm gonna respect you a hell of a lot more for that. <laughs> Excuse me. Than if you try to, you know, cover it up and lie about it. 
Yeah, so I think now is time I want to get into my get into our absolutely in this case. So these days, with the recent news of the murder of George yeah. Floyd in Minneapolis, and now the killing of Rayshard oh Brooks God. in Atlanta, yeah. as well as numerous other unarmed Black yeah. Americans, so many. There is, there is a popular hashtag and rally cry, defund the police. Yeah. Woo, we're going to talk about that? Shit. All right, and here we go. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Here, here's, here, remember earlier on when I talked about how the police were called yes. Joffreys and how I said I would get into later, like, my thoughts on why. Yeah, 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 yeah. Called. Why it shouldn't have been, here we go. So defund the police. While on the surface, a phrase like that can Mm -hmm. seem very radical. What it actually means is that funds need to be reallocated to to other departments. Such as as social Mm -hmm. services or something else, like some other department dealing yeah, I was about to say like um, um mental health um uh you know programs definitely community programs that support people who need it. Yes, and a problem that has been in our society is we rely on the police for we do. too much. And, and the scope the scope of what we call the police for is too vast. People shouldn't have to be the police shouldn't have to be the for every option. single problem. Exactly. Every every single I I take issue. it I take it that you watched the John Oliver video on this. Um okay. So you'll yes. you'll agree with what I'm about to say. Yeah, exactly. Um And when people say that, you know, their first response is, no, that's their job. But hear me out and hear, you know, hear us out. The police should not be our go-to, like, controlling factor in society. Because then every single time we're afraid, every single time we're uncertain, every single time we come across a situation that we don't know how to or don't want to handle... And, you know, think about it, that happens a lot. If our first instinct is to call the police, like we're, that is, you know, relying on them to do way too much, A. And B, we're exposing them to situations that they may not be prepared for. You know, if they're coming into contact with somebody in the middle of a mental health crisis, are they trained to to help that person? Or are they going to do more harm than good? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, in the... In the case of my trees, why I said like I felt the police shouldn't have been called for her is because she she wasn't able to pay her mm-hmm. tab. And the step there's a detail that the like some staff members offered to exactly. help her pick up the tab. But then but then the manager of Joffrey's is like, Well, this person, I'm worried about this yeah. person's mental state. So if you reallocate funds to social services or something like that, you can close yes, them out. Exactly. For 
Like you don't have to call an officer with a badge exactly. and a gun. Who and this definitely applies to the recent case in Atlanta. With oh Rayshard my god, Brooks, absolutely, yes. Which the cops were called called because he was asleep in his car at a Wendy's. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. Here's the thing is that the reason the cops were called is because that's mm. what we as a society have been trained to do. When we're faced with an awkward or an uncomfortable situation, not even necessarily a dangerous one, when we're just faced with a complicated one that we don't know how to handle, we're like, well, I'll just have the police handle it. Because, yeah, and that's exactly. not good. <laughs> And and the people, these people want to justify mm. these killings. What they're doing with Rayshard Brooks is like, well, he put up a fight. He grabbed the officer's stun gun. He was oh resisting arrest. He, here's the thing. Yes, he was intoxicated, but you, his position... I can't speak on it uh, because mm-hmm. I'm a white man, but you you maybe think with his experience as a black man and everything going on with police killing unarmed black citizens, the fact that the police mm-hmm. are put are coming yeah. to that situation automatically puts him it automatically puts him on the defensive. yeah exactly exactly. It's, and he's he's intoxicated, so he's already not in his exactly. best frame of mind. And you want to know so, what? It's... Yeah, you bring you bring. Yeah, again, you bring in an officer with a gu- who has a gun, who has a the mm-hmm. lethal weapon to who mm-hmm. can kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, immediately, Rayshard Brooks is, I'm sure, put on the defensive. Exactly. And if you call, you call someone from social services who is kind of like, hey, I just want to check on, we got a call. I just want to make sure you're okay. Show someone Someone to show show compassion in these situations precisely. And can I also just say, so I, I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. I used to watch live PD a lot and live PD was canceled recently. And honestly, I'm glad it was. Um, but I used to watch it a lot back before I realized how problematic it was. And let me tell you something. And I can, I, I am being serious. When, when a white person is being resistant and violent and belligerent, police aren't gentle with them by any means. Like they still, you know, grab them and pin them down if they need to and tase them if they need to. It's not like they are any gentler with them. But the thing is, is that they don't ever, they don't ever make that lethal move. They, they just don't. And people can deny that all they want, but it's the truth. All you have to do is watch live, watch shows like live PD and watch shows like cops. Yeah. They're, they're, they're rough with white people. Sure. But they're not going to reach for their gun. They're not going to, they're not going to overreact like that. And that's just, I don't know. You can edit it, edit this out if you disagree with me. If I'm being too radical right now, but honestly, no, I, I feel that way. I, I really, I, really I, do. And and like you said, Rayshard was already on the defensive because of everything that's going on. Those police officers 
are also on the defensive because they are being told by Trump and by police chiefs and all these other people that they are the victims and they are the ones in danger and all of these people want to hurt them just because they're police officers. And I'm not saying that the officers involved in this necessarily believed that, but I do believe they were probably on edge. And, and that's, that's just the fault of this society at this point where we're at disseminating this information that, you know, it just sucks because we're all divided right now. And what would really make this whole thing better was if we all came together and started working with each other, but institutions are just not willing to do that at this point. I'm sorry about that rant. I'm going to get off my soapbox now, but no, 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 no. It, it is, it was. Thank you. I try to, I do try to word myself carefully. I do because I understand, I understand the respect that many people have for police officers. And I am the first one to tell you every time I've had an interaction with a police officer, it has been positive pretty much every single time. But, you know, I am also white. I am also a female who's pretty small and short. So, I mean, they, you know, they treat me like a kid, not like in a condescending way, but they do. They're just like, hello, miss. Hello, ma'am. Are you okay? You know what I mean? It's always a very a pleasant interaction. So I can't speak to the experience of other people. I can't speak to the experience of black people. And I think it's very ignorant for white people, for white people to be like, oh, well, cops are mostly good. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That doesn't mean that the bad cops aren't bad. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I, yeah, those are my final thoughts. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think I said all I yeah. could say on this. I, my final thoughts are just that Uh-oh. I wish they had done more to protect Matrice. I really, really wish they had. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. I don't know if we'll ever know exactly what. Yeah, I just, I don't know if there is any way of knowing. Like between her being, like the circumstances of her being released and the circumstances of her death. I, I'm I'm just, yeah, I just. I definitely am happy that there is call for this case to be yes, looked at again. Yes, absolutely. But, but I don't know what they're going to find unless but, somebody comes forward yeah. and shares more information, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I hate to end on a bummer. So, <laughs> If I may say one no. thing, um, you know, just since, since we're talking about sure. all of this stuff, um, you know, you you mentioned my Breonna Taylor case episode that I was very proud of. But at the time I recorded that episode, I was unaware that Breonna's law had passed in, in Minnesota, um, official, officially banning all uh, no-knock search warrants in the state of Minnesota, which is really great. Is I'm not Minnesota. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of George Floyd (laughs) in Kentucky. Breonna was from Kentucky. (laughs) Well, they did. Yeah, Minneapolis. Which is great. 
which is really really great. Oh, I think yeah. more I think more police departments should ban those things, both of those things. And here's the thing is that okay, maybe, you know, we I guess we don't have to necessarily defund the police. Let's train them to be more peaceful, to be like why I don't know. You said you said you're a John Oliver fan as well. He uh, he released an amazing uh, video on his thoughts on police brutality, and he showed this training that police go to, where they're being told that they are predators and they have to be prepared to take a human life at any moment. And it's like, why are you trained that way? You shouldn't be trained that way. Like you, yeah, I, 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 may. I understand the thought of like there may come a time where you have to fire That makes the sense, weapon. yes. In, 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 but only, only in self-defense. Self defense, yes. Like, I, understand, I, I, under, I understand the thought is like there will come a time, there may come a time like so, so many cops go their entire careers never and that's how it should be. Weapon. I, yeah. I've heard that, but but there, there are times where you may have. I understand the having. I understand saying like, "Are you prepared?" To that I understand as well. I do. Are you? I just. Yeah, are yeah. you prepared to have? I just to do don't that? think it's a good idea for them to emphasize that as like a main part of their job because taking a human exactly. life should be the very last resort. Like, again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reference SVU because it's my favorite show. And here's the thing is that I don't think Law & Order SVU is problematic. But again, I'm coming from a place of privilege. So if I'm incorrect and SVU is problematic, someone please point it out to me. But I don't think it is because Detective Olivia Benson is a beautiful, wonderful person. But, <laughs> but on that show, you know, anytime... Um, Olivia or any other police officer had to fatally shoot somebody, it was only when they had no other choice. And like that dangerous, uncooperative person had a loaded weapon aimed at them or at their partner or, or at another person. That was the only time they did it. And it was not celebrated. It was not like a good thing. Like most of the time they were pretty messed up about it, even if they had killed a bad person. Like they still felt, they still felt that like horrible feeling that must accommodate, that must associate coming along with taking a human life. And that's what these people should emphasize in these trainings. It shouldn't be like, you're going to have to take a human life because people are horrible and it's your job. So don't feel guilty about it. It should be, if that ever happens, like, you know, this is what you can do to get the help that you need because it's a really horrible and tough decision to have to make and you should only make it under, like, the most stringent of circumstances because I'm not saying that police officers don't have the right to defend themselves because they have families. I get that. They have families who want them to come home at the end of the day. I understand that police officers need to defend themselves. I'm sorry I'm rambling. God damn, shut the fuck up, Danny. <laughs> No, 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 no. But I do understand <laughs> that. I do. Because I, like I said, I know people who are police officers who have families. And I am not going to look at them and say, you don't have a right to defend yourself if you really believe your life is in danger. Because they do. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I think in the circumstances that have been happening recently, <laughs> they had no reason to use lethal force. 
Exactly. And yeah, yeah, that it needs to be emphasized that lethal force is the absolute when there's no Mm -hmm. other. Exactly. It shouldn't be glorified in any way, shape or form. Yeah. I know Hollywood likes to do that with uh, per, like speaking of Mel Gibson, the Jesus. lethal weapon movies. I've never seen those. Tend to do. <laughs> I like those movies, but that's fine. Um, that's not problematic. I, I mean, because they're classics. I understand that a lot of people like them, <laughs> so that that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Yeah, but it, like right. that's Hollywood. Like I'm not gonna act like I don't like. like um, oh fuck! What's that movie with Bruce Willis? On Christmas, Die Hard. Yeah, I'm not going to act like I don't love Die Hard. Die Hard's a fantastic movie. (laughs) I mean, come on. We all love that stuff. I'm just saying, like, we have to get better at separating reality from fiction. Like, crazy rogue cops are fun in a movie. They're not so much fun in real life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, if you had a... If, if you have like dirty Harry and real problems. Yeah, no. There's a reason that <laughs> movies are movies because they allow us to explore things that can't happen in real life. I mean, like even even SVU, okay, yeah. I take it back. SVU could be problematic, I guess, sometimes with the character Elliot Stabler. I don't know if you're familiar with SVU at all. Um I've seen Okay, it's a really good show, but one though like one of the earliest characters detective Elliot Stabler he's kind of portrayed as like you know a bad cop who doesn't like to follow the rules and has like a hair triggered temper and all that stuff um and like throughout the course of his time on the show like he even like gets divorced from his wife and is kind of like estranged from his children because he's just consumed by his job and yeah so it's like I don't know but at the same time, it also seemed like a very realistic portrayal of somebody who just wanted to, like, do the right thing, even if he didn't go about it the right way. But, yeah, I could also see why that could be problematic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Danny. Yes. Thank you. Okay. I'm... <laughs> You know what? It's 238 <laughs> over here in Indiana. I do believe it is um it's it's late enough in the day to have a small birthday drink. So I'm gonna have like maybe um yeah. a wine cooler, <laughs> something light <laughs> and summery. <laughs> oh. Oh, you're saving. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, gotta pace yourself. (laughs) I'm not 21 anymore, unfortunately. 27 is such a weird age. Nothing happens when you're 27. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my next birthday is uh, in two months. I'll be 38. So you're almost 10 years older than me. A little older. (laughs) Little (laughs) over 10 years. But yeah, I don't. I definitely don't drink like I used to. But I'll. Have oh a heck beer. yeah, do it! Birthday beer, birthday so. beer, birthday beer. Um. So. Uh, although to to end on a serious note, um, you know, please everybody remember go to that uh, go to change dot org to sign the petition to reopen Matrice's case. I understand that it's a long shot, 
but um you know it's 2020 has been the year that a lot of crazy stuff has happened okay so honestly it's not a long shot that we we could uh, get matrice's case reopened and find something to give her family more closure um so yeah please go to change.org and check that out just, um yeah maybe just maybe just the fact that it could be exactly which she is owed even even if even if you even if they can't find any answers mm-hmm. after all this time, the fact if they would just take an honest, hard look into yeah. this. Which is I mean, that's their job. It mm-hmm. they didn't do their jobs back then, do it now, you know? Make up for it. Show show yeah. that you care. <sighs> so and and while you're on change.org, there's mm-hmm. loads of other petitions on there to sign. Um, I'm gonna plug the one for making the KKK illegal again, because why, I don't know why that hasn't happened yet in America, but yeah, please sign that petition, because we're very, very close to um, getting that recognized. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look that, I haven't signed that yeah, one at all. Yeah, that's that. the only one I donated money to, because unfortunately, you know, like a lot of us, because of the pandemic, I'm in a position where I can't donate a whole lot of money. But I did donate money to that. And I also donated money to the um, uh, the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which is the kind of like the uh, bail fund for the protesters in Minnesota. So that's the other thing I would encourage people to donate to if you feel so inclined. <laughs> Oh, definitely do that. And uh, Danny, I'm so happy. This was super duper fun. I'm sad that I don't have my my stuff ready for our um, for our episode because I want to keep recording and talking about things. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, we'll definitely. You're all invited. Dude, absolutely. I would love it. Yeah, it was it was so wonderful getting to we've gone <laughs> I know and here. and anchor is gonna cut and us was... off soon because they got off in two hours. Which I learned the hard way on that Kaylee Anthony <laughs> episode. <laughs> oh it cut it cut I haven't gone that long. It cut me off in two hours. Yeah. It was like, okay, can you shut up now? <laughs> you have been All ranting right. for two hours. So we're, we're, we're... <laughs> Yeah, we got less than yeah. four minutes to go to that. So, uh, <laughs> well, Danny, uh, yeah, let me know when I yeah, can come on your sure, podcast. Sure. And I'll, maybe tomorrow. I'll, maybe tomorrow, dude, if yeah, you're not I'll, doing anything. <laughs> we can record something tomorrow. Well, shit, I'm, shit, I'm out of work oh, for like another month. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm on, I work, I work yeah. in a library and I yeah, uh, furloughed. You guys... So, you're you're they, not slowly they, they, opening up yet, yet? Did, or not yet? We are, we are, but my position there is, I don't come in until a certain phase, which is July twenty. Okay, all right, yep. I come, I come, I come in, I come in for the phase when we start to actually reopen the buildings. Okay, to the public. I get you, I get you. Like right, like right now, like right now, some higher ups are have come back to 
start the process of like curbside pickup and yeah. picking returns and okay i get you stuff. that's good well so, i uh, we will we will record tomorrow then if that's okay with you we can do 12 30 again if you want if that's oh I am, great I am and we are going to be talking so. about um the case of relisha rudd which is also an extremely sad and frustrating case much like this one um, but a little bit sadder and a little bit darker, unfortunately, because trigger warning, it does involve a child. Relisha Rudd is only like six or seven years old, unfortunately. Um, but we're going to talk about her because we need to remember her. And I think we can maybe also get this case solved if we can, you know, get more information. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, <clears throat> yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that. You were fantastic. It was so fun talking. It was this so, was so fun, fun even, right? This even is though great. this is over. Yeah, this is an this is an awful sad. Yeah, but it was case, fun but... to to share theories and it, to talk to a like minded person. It it makes me feel good to know that there are other people out there talking about these cases and and remembering these people and working working for the right side of history. Well, we're mm-hmm. all doing the best we can. We are absolutely. So. So, yeah, I will talk to you yes. tomorrow then. And thank, thank you, you for, for having me today. Absolutely. You too. Right, Have a great care. rest of your day. Thank you. you. I'm going to go birthday. do a birthday shot. <laughs> 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 All right. I'll talk to All you tomorrow. Right. Bye. All right. Bye. I want to thank the wonderful Danny again for joining me for this episode. Be sure to check out her podcast, Hear No Evil, which is available wherever you listen to this podcast. Although I will also provide a link to it on Apple Podcasts in the show notes. I also want to take a moment to acknowledge and thank my primary sources for this episode. I want to acknowledge Mike Kessler, who wrote an excellent and detailed article for Los Angeles Magazine which there is a link for the article in the show notes. I also want to acknowledge Cat Lee, who wrote a great article on Medium.com about the case, and there is a link to her article in the show notes as well. Mitrice's case was featured in an episode of The ID Show Disappeared. It is Season 6, Episode 1, and the episode is titled Lost in the Dark. It is available on Hulu and On Demand, And the documentary Lost Compassion is again available on Amazon Prime. Thank you everyone again for listening. I am closing this episode out with a promo for a podcast called Sooner State True Crime. A podcast all about true crime cases from the host's home state of Oklahoma. So stay tuned to hear that and I will be back with another episode next week. Stay safe and stay healthy everyone. Hey, fellow Still Unknown listeners, I'm Cece, the host of a new true crime podcast, Sooner State True Crime. As a born and bred Okie, I'll cover cases based in my wonderful home state of Oklahoma. The term Sooner actually refers to cheaters in the land run, the state's very first true crime. 
New episodes are released twice a month in Apple Podcasts and most podcast apps. Or visit our website, anchor.fm slash crime state to listen now. So come away with me to my crime state on the Sooner State True Crime Podcast. And please stay sooner safe out there, y'all.